Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Trauma. Okay, we all know we deal with it, right? And we've had it, and maybe we don't want to talk about it, but maybe we should. Whether it's in our life, in our love life, in our work life, In our own personal head, trauma can be the thing that holds us back from being who we really, truly want to be. Well, today I'm excited to have an ally to our LGBTQ community and a person who's going to say, hey, it's not just the LGBTQ people who deal with this trauma. We all deal with it. She is one of the top coaches to follow from 2022. She she does love coaching. She does life coaching. She writes books. She has a podcast. She has a great podcast called Lessons in Life and Love. I'm just excited to have somebody to have a conversation about something that's really touchy. Because if we don't deal with our trauma, we can't deal with our life. And I'm so glad to have Coach Rihanna Milne here and to bring her beautiful experience and perspectives to something that, well, we all just need to be talking about. So, Rihanna, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me, Rick. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So you're a busy gal. I mean, podcasts and coaching and magazine yeah, articles and all this stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yes. who needs sleep, right? <laughs> well, you know, we love what we do. So passion drives us. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. It had to be something passionate about behind all this that just says, yes, I want to keep doing this. So what was like that thing when you really realize, yep, this is my path. This is where I want to be going. Well, actually, it occurred when I was 16. And my Mm. very dear best friend, uh, it's a sad story. He was killed by a drunk driver. We were 16. And we were best buddies since the age of five. And I said to my mom, I think I need to go to a counselor to help me with this trouble. And she goes, no one in this family will ever go to a counselor. So in my defiance, I said, well, I'll grow up and become one. So (laughs) that was the path that I chose. Um, but yeah, that's really how it happened. And then, uh, raised, I got married, raised my two daughters at age 26. I had a model and talent school and agency. And then after they were launched, I went back for triple masters in psychology and, um, came out licensed mental health counselor, and then went into coaching after getting certified in 2009 and 10, because I just love the coaching model. It's much more educational and solution focused. And, you know, I, the, the trauma that I experienced throughout my adult lifetime in my second relationship, I had a traumatic first marriage when my two daughters were born. But then the second one, he turns to me and he says, I don't know what's the matter with me. I sabotage everything I love. And my mind spiraling through the psychological journals and everything else. I said, I don't know either, but I'm going to figure it out. Because by this time, I needed to help therapy clients and myself. You know, why was I attracting toxic partners in my life? What was wrong? And that childhood trauma term never came out in a triple master's of psychology. And it was not until then I did the research because I went to seven therapist friends of mine who did not even also use the word childhood trauma. 
And doing the research, I realized how much trauma my partner did have. Mm -hmm. And that lended to me having more compassion and love for what he did experience as a young person and a child. Um, Strangely enough, I mean, I've been working with LGBTQ plus people since I've been modeling since I've been 12. And then in my talent school, of course, and through my love of people and compassion, I, I was helping some of my friends just come out and talk to their parents you know, about their preference in life and um, how they feel about things. And then as a therapist, then I continue doing uh, those meetings with family to help somebody come out Mm. and, uh, you know, explain to their parents who they are. And I also had to tell the parents, like, this is your child. We love them as they are, you know, and they're all their glory and their magnificence. So, And then when I did the trauma work, it just, you know, I, like I said, I have LGBTQ people in my family. And um, as a trauma counselor at my school, Winslow Elementary, uh, we were one of the first transgender case to come out at such a young age. Um, A young man, second grader, Richard, set of twins, went home and by third grade came back as Riley Mm. and insisted he is a girl. And at that point, we had to put um, safety guards into the school and educate yep. the teachers and the students so we didn't have a bullying environment for her. And, um, you know, this was such a famous case. It ended up on Barbara Waters and mm-hmm. 60 Minutes. So now my daughter is one of the advocates and already addressed Congress about the Don't Say Gay mm. law that's going on in Florida. And um, I said, you know, if we can track down Riley at this point, she would be an amazing spokesperson for this case because she was so young. We were had to talk about it. Right. Help her be safe. And this is that whole first to third grade, you know, um, discussion going on right now. So Well, and it's just it's so it's so appalling to watch what's going on right now. I I saw a news story. last night actually on the news um about a school board meeting here in california and people just erupted and on it was outside that it all happened but i'm just like okay we understand there's the belly of humanity that some line just but it just seems to be coming to the surface in such ugly horrible ways at this point and i've had people ask me do i feel concerned i said yes and no because I'm, I feel concerned because I have a voice out there that's mm-hmm. in the public. Yes. I don't feel as concerned because, I mean, yes, there's times I talk about where I live, but I'm like, you know, to, uh, not like here, here's my address. Right. Right. But I'm a, I'm a cisgender white male. So there's that piece of me who happens to be gay. So I can walk down a street and without anybody really knowing, I'm probably okay. Yes, when mm-hmm. I get vocal, which I'll never not be vocal, um, that's when I have my, you know, concerns. But you never know in this day and age, like, hey, even you and I having this conversation, then it airs and then somebody knows who you are. They know who I, I mean, it's sad that just because we say, hey, can we just be compassionate? Can we just right. see who they are? You know, exactly. Um, well, I'm very spiritual. So I love all humans. Right. <laughs> exactly. Of all ages. And my my passion and my work is to help heal trauma mm-hmm. and trauma from childhood is the same for straight or LGBTQ, but different because of the coming out process 
and being loved and accepted for who you are. But I mean, I had a lot of bullying as well. So I have that compassion for any of my LGBTQ people that were bullied and felt not good enough because I felt it in my own way as well. You know, so compassion is important. Oh, it's very important. And I think people who don't realize (laughs) that piece and, you know, I went through childhood trauma and lots of different now that I really can see it. And there's still times, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 60 soon. Well, yeah, I'm going to be 60. And there's times that that little child, something that will show up. I'm like, Oh, wow. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Right. We're all work Uh, in progress. Right, We're all works in progress. But I think what's important is the kind of work that you've done and those, you know, those 10 childhood trauma things that you have worked through to help people. And I want to definitely dive in and start talking about that. It's something that I feel, I feel very passionate about because I coach men in midlife coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And much of the reason these guys are coming out in midlife is because of all the trauma they endured saying, you can't be this. You got you quit being Absolutely. a sissy. Da, 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 da. You're not man enough. All And it, the littlest things can yes. actually spark it. I was actually in Palm Springs not long ago and we were, staying at an all gay resort and I was laying there just kind of observing which I as a coach I love to do because I love I just love observing the gay man right and I mean not just looking at the good looking bodies but like and it's so interesting I'm like yeah I can see that I can see a little little boy there I can see a little boy there I can see like things that they did like oh there's a there's a you know a shadow right there that you know not judging just like I'm noticing these things and I'm so thankful it's good for people to understand and know child yes. so that they can have these discussions with their partners. And when I work with couples, it's partner A, partner B in the relationship. And people say, well, do you have to be vulnerable to share your feelings? I say, no, you have to be empowered. Mm -hmm. Right. So understand what traumas you went through and coming to your partner with compassion about what they went through and then realizing the differences and being a supportive friend when someone is having a weak moment, right? So yeah. understanding what the traumas are super important. Um, my gay client, Scott, uh, we were on a TV series called Radical Dating, Finding Lasting Love Over 40. He mm-hmm. was the only gay lesbian client on the show. There was five contestants. He was one, uh, three straight woman, one straight male. And uh, I, you know, they were supposed to pick the coach they wanted And I stood up and I said, I specialize in childhood trauma as a CCTP, certified clinical trauma professional, advanced and licensed mental health counselor. And um, he's Ariana, I need you. I want you. Mm. I said, it's okay. I'm straight. He goes, I don't care what you are. (laughs) I know. I know I need to heal this trauma. But I mean, it was a very sad case because he lost his partner. He loved of eight years. He was killed by Mm. a car. And then he had like a Hollywood mother who did mm. said to him at 19 when he tried to come out, oh, no, you won't be gay and embarrass me in front of my friends. Mm. So, you know, he had what we call behavioral norms that he used to get friends. And one was sarcasm. Mm. And I was explaining sarcasm is making you lose friends. You're trying to use humor. I understand it. And humor is great. But sarcasm is hurtful. And, you know, he's always trying to get attention because he didn't have attention. He was raised by a nanny, didn't have attention from his mother. So he he came to understand why he was doing things that pushed people away, whether it was partners he desired or friendships that he wanted. 
And, you know, he just felt very um, scattered, very ADHD, lack of focus. And I taught him meditation and how to calm the mind and the anxiety. And he did have bouts of depression. All that was gone when I was coaching him. And he was the first to date, the first to become exclusive and the first and only to marry of the five. So we were like a real dynamo team. And I I love awesome. I'm on a speed dial. I can call him whenever he wants. That's so cool. But don't you think part of what happens in this trauma space? I mean, I I had never, well, I had talked about it in (laughs) family, family circles. Let's just say that. Okay. And then one night I was speaking at a college and I was speaking in a human sexuality class. And for some reason, Rihanna, I just went there. I'm like, so here's the thing I, I really want you all to understand. There's a there's a theory that, you know, if you're sexually abused as a child, then that's what turns you gay or lesbian. I stand here in front of you and say, that's not true. No, that's not true because I was sexually abused. And I said, but, you know, I don't even like to say that term because what I've would for her to say is I was sexually awakened mm. at an age when I shouldn't have been. Right, right. The twist is, and those who've listened to the podcast have probably heard this before, but the twist was it all made sense. In my little seven-year-old mind, it all made sense why I was so fascinated with men when this happened. It didn't sure. make it right. It didn't make right. it right by any stretch of the imagination. And right. I got done and I was shaking. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, wow, I've never, and I talked about it in therapy and stuff like that. But I'm like, I never talk. Now you can tell I'm I'm totally cool with like, let me share this piece of me because it's so, it's such a piece of my story. And I'm not advocating that everybody has to like, oh, share it on a podcast. That's not what I'm saying either. It is an important part to heal, whether you're a woman or touched by a man or a woman. It's still the, uh, the vulnerable child that doesn't know is this right? Is this wrong? Uh, sometimes it's identified as child play and curiosity, mm-hmm. but certainly if it's an older person that knows better, now it's manipulation. Absolutely. You know? um, so you have to identify all of that and heal that. And what we do is called rewriting the story and understanding you're a child, you're a victim. It's nothing to be ashamed about. There's nothing to have guilt mm-hmm. of. You know, so you've done yeah. tons of work in here and you've actually identified these 10 childhood Yes. Yes. So So that's what happened. Unpack those. Let's do that. Uh, Before I go into them, I want to make it uh, known that the research has showed childhood trauma goes through at least three generations, and this is not about blame or shame. So we're not looking to have you feel ashamed if any of these happen to you, or to blame your parents at this point in time. What we're looking to do is understand it, acknowledge it, and recognize it because you can't change what you don't understand. And that's where I was. I, I, I described the healing as a rainbow, actually. And I was on that one side of the rainbow is I don't get what's going wrong. I, I don't know what I don't know. Right. So it was a very frustrating place to be. So all my research answered those questions. And the learning was the curve going over the rainbow. But at the end, there was a pot of gold because it really made me feel great about who I was. It gave me self-love, confidence, peace of mind, I was never in that negative, doubtful mindset or high anxiety anymore. So the healing is just amazing. Is there a learning curve to it, though? Okay, so the first one I identify. Now, this identifying, let me just say a little backstory. Um, 
as a therapist, I worked in many different environments with children. So in kindergarten, all the way through college level, I was what's called a SAC counselor, student assistance Mm -hmm. counselor, which worked with the emotionally upset kids. So in the schools, five days a week. Then I worked in a mental health center for kids age five through 19. And I worked in a drug and alcohol facility for teens and another one for women from the prison system. Plus I had my own practice. I was like working like crazy, like five different jobs. So these were the experiences and part of that mental health unit had kids from the foster care system. So I had all these different populations, different ages, backgrounds, cultures, straight, LGBTQ, didn't matter. But the same top 10 traumas kept coming up. So let me go into what those are. There are more, but these are the yeah. top. So the first one is if you grow up with drugs or alcohol or any addictions in the family, and yeah. there's many addictions because I'm a drug and alcohol counselor too. So there's drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater, porn yeah. use, hoarding, spending, gambling, eating, um, workaholism, gaming, and did I say spending, eating? Okay, so yeah. there, there's many addictions there. So that's the first one. Second one is verbal messaging. How did your parents talk about an issue? Were they yelling and screaming at each other? Then you were prone to be a yeller or the opposite, shut down and get really quiet. Because if you try to interact and you got smacked or hit around or punished worse, you would be more quiet. Um, And were the messages you heard loving and positive or critical? Um, So, you know, something like, no, I'm not sending you to college. Why waste my money? Or you'll amount to nothing or change your outfit. You look fat in that. These are negative put down messages. Or did you hear the words, I love you? Now, you're somewhat of my cohort. I will, I'm 65, but I was on the beach with nine of my friends and I was explaining this list and someone says, well, I didn't hear I love you. And I said, I didn't either. And all nine mm-hmm. of us did not hear the words, I love you from mm-hmm. our parents. So it's interesting how that baby boomer generation missed that. Yep. Um, so the verbal messaging is very important. And, you know, words of, um, you know, great job, honey. I'm proud right. of you. Did you hear that or not? Okay. So verbal messaging. Yep. Number three is emotional abuse or neglect. <laughs> Number four is around abandonment. I'd uh, name two types, fault and no fault. So a no fault abandonment would be a parent that happened to die early. Someone deployed for war, how to leave the family. And believe me, working with kids in schools, those kids were just so blank. They couldn't learn and they were labeled ADHD. I'm like, this kid does not have a learning problem. This kid is being traumatized because their parents fighting in Iraq right now. You know, so really identifying trauma in in the children and what they were dealing with. And another one is, you know, if your parent is away from home a lot because they work from home. That was my case. My dad was FBI, CIA. We didn't know where he was. And I remember asking, is dad coming home? And my mom said, well, I don't know where he is. I'm like, well, why not? Where is he? You know, yeah. so he couldn't tell the family where he was. So that was kind of weird. Um, And then the other one is fault. So that would be never being involved in your child's life, being involved with the couples together. If they break up, barely seeing your child or not keeping the promises to the child, you'll see them. It also means being present in the home, but not emotionally attached. So Mm -hmm. that could be that father worked all day, comes home, eats dinner, then goes into his home office. 
doesn't go to the kids' events at school, you know, so just really emotionally detached or from so many little kids I hear, my dad ignores me, he just watches football all day, you know, so those kinds of things, just being, feeling ignored. The next one is if you're part of foster care system, adopted or had to go live in another family's home, yeah. uh, your parents can keep you. Trauma seven is one that most people identify with. Um, that is personal trauma. So any way that you felt different, you might've been a chubby child and teased for that or tall, skinny and gawky and smart and teased for that. You might've been the only African-American in all Caucasian school. Of course, trying to come out as gay, lesbian and not being accepted for that by peers or family, of course, that is traumatizing. Yep. So these, again, could happen at all stages. And like I said, I happened to be in the school with one of the youngest cases you know, that had come out in the media because it was so young, Richard into Riley. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big one, personal trauma. Then there's uh, the trauma of rape, molestation, or physical yep. abuse. And again, these could happen inside or outside of the home. You might've had a perfect home life, but these things could have been happening to you at school or in the neighborhood, yep. right? Okay. The next one is around sibling trauma eight, um, did your sibling bully you? Were they perceived as the golden child, more handsome, more beautiful, smarter, the star athlete, you know, in your mind perceived as special, more special? Or were they born with a physical ailment where mom and dad had to give them more time and mm. attention and kind of feeling you being left off to the side? That's trauma eight. Trauma yep. nine is around the family. And I had to bring down number 11. When I made the list in 2012, it did not, it was number 11 because it was not very well needed as the top 10. But now yeah. it's the most traumatic, which is community trauma. So community trauma is everything going on in our upheaval in our world today. All the hate crimes, the school shootings, the mass shootings, yeah. our mother nature events, the flood fires, hurricanes, wiping out large communities, and of course, COVID. You know, mm -hmm. so community trauma has been bashed and battered in the yep. past five years, as we were talking about. And that, of course, impacts the family. So also with family trauma, did you have a parent that was incarcerated? Did you live in poverty? Were you scared growing up around your neighborhood? If you came out as gay LGBTQ student in younger years, were you bullied in your neighborhood or picked on there? So nowhere where you went, did you feel safe? You know, this lack of safety in the family, in the community, that's big. Yeah. Um, so that's just some family growing up, feeling like money was always tight, you know, those kinds of things. Then trauma um, 10 is mental health illness in mom or dad. And of course, there's a lot that I could name, but the two most difficult for children to navigate is bipolar personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. So borderline I describe as erratic moods. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And you never know what you're going to get. So that yeah. leaves the kid really in high anxiety. And then bipolar is manic depressive. So a manic phase, some people think, well, that's a high and happy one. Well, it could be for a short time, but then usually yep. sparkles right around to depression, like a spending spree or a gambling spree you know, get feeding those addictions and then losing or losing all that money and then they're depressed. So um, that those two are really hard for children to grow up with. So those are the top 10 that I identify. I'm going check, 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 check. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Most people find they have four to six, Rick. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, uh, it's it's not surprising, you know, and as a parent myself, I was like, I it was interesting as I was, especially as I came out, I started being much more cognizant of like, seeing the trauma I had been through, and then yeah. how I was taking my own children through it. And and recognizing like, okay, whoa, whoa, stop. This is not, you know, and then my youngest daughter struggles with anxiety a lot. And um, to help navigate through that, you know, I started really opening up and sharing things and talking about it. And we, and she's doing, she does great now, but okay. you know, it's just one of those things where you, you, and she hit it, not surprising, like, you know, hides it. Yeah. And um, I told her one day, you know what? dad used to hide it too. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what I used to hide. I said, not just my sexuality. Let me tell you what else I used to hide, you know? Yeah. And, um, it was one of the, probably the most powerful conversations I ever had the privilege of having as a parent. It's really important as a parent, you just be real with your children. You know, you really have these loving, close conversations Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and teaching them mindset from a very young age. Um, My my children's father is very difficult, and I divorced when they were young. So I was very adamant about making sure they felt very empowered as young ladies, right? So I remember Alexi watching the uh, Save the Children commercial in Africa. She goes, Mom, I want to go save those kids one day. And I said, that's the most incredible, beautiful dream. I totally believe you're going to do it. Don't ever lose that dream. That would be so wonderful if you can, you know, and you will. And uh, she ends up singing with a top recording artist at 15. When she said, Mom, I want to be a singer. I'm like, let's make that happen. So we did. And she travels around the world, ends up in Africa. And then her best friend and her um, worked with the United Nations. And they put in 21 working water wells from the age of 20 to 31. So here, this childhood dream that I said, believe in it. This is beautiful. You can do this. You know, we can teach our kids mindset from a very young age. And, you know, no matter what they choose to do, they can be very empowered in the life that they choose for themselves. It's so interesting that you brought that up because I was coaching one of my clients who's just coming out of the closet and he's late 40s, I think, Mm -hmm. late 40s, early 50s. And he, so he has, you know, he has grown kids like you and I do. And mm-hmm. I was navigating like, well, he, the daughter is kind of in the know about what's going on. Okay. The son, he's kind of tap dancing around with it. And I said, let's talk about why you're struggling with that. And it was so interesting to see all the trauma coming up because yeah. he, he happens to be in a very masculine orient. He's a, he's in law enforcement. So he's in okay. very masculine dominant yes. kind of space. And he said, I just, I just don't know really how to have the conversation with my son. He goes, my mm-hmm. daughter's going to be pretty easy. She's a medical doctor. She's going to be more concerned, like just dad, be safe, that sort of thing. She's going to get it because she sees that. I said, yeah. well, you'd be surprised at your son too. Your son will probably get it much more than you think. But I said, it's all about the mindset Yeah, you go into the conversation with. That's right. The mindset you invite them to step into, don't tell them how to be with it but invite them into. And so we were having that conversation. They have to accept there's going to be some transition of acceptance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But the mindset piece is huge. You know, everybody, I started talking to my kids in their own way 
about mm-hmm. mindset. And this was before I was even a coach. I mean, there was very specific ways I was having these conversations with my kids. Right. I came out when my youngest was 18 months old. So she doesn't, she doesn't remember mom and dad being yeah. married, right? Okay, that was and easy. Yeah. So, you know, there were conversations that had to be had throughout the years about this. Uh, and of course, she's just like, yeah, whatever. If somebody doesn't like you, dad, fuck them. I mean, that's her attitude. <laughs> like, just fuck them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, which is kind of her attitude about everything. So we're working <laughs> on that too. But okay. uh, but it, it is such an interesting thing. And I remember speaking at, uh, again, at one of the colleges and universities and a student asked me like, so if you have somebody that you know is coming out and really trying to be embraced, but their family won't embrace them mm-hmm. and they just can't get past that in their own mind and it's causing them, I said, I would invite them to do some mindset work and some yes. healthy work around their own thoughts because- it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy when your family doesn't accept you. My parents didn't accept it at first either. Yeah. Yeah. But if you come in with that same attitude and like, I'm going to fight and I fought, I, there were times I, I fought like a, even recently I've had some fights with them around this. Aww. And I finally just was like, you know what? I just, it's not worth my energy anymore. I'm going to keep my mindset in the right space. Yeah. Not saying I'm rolling over and, you know, playing like, okay, well, whatever. But it, well, that reminds me of my client, Jerry, and all these stories have given me permission to share, of course, to help others. But Jerry was just coming in as a model actor to my talent school when I was 26 years old. And he was maybe 21 and he was up in the area for college and he's smoking and drinking like crazy. I'm like, Jerry, if you want to model, you got to take care of your body. You got to, you know, not be hung over. And, you know, he opened up to me and he's there. Well, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with some things. Um, I know I'm a gay male. I haven't come out. I can't come out to my family. His, his dad was like the kind that shot animals, like the whole macho guy, right. very abusive alcoholic, you know. And um, we worked on that together. And as he became empowered, I said, you need a family here. So I said, you're enjoying acting. Let's get you into the the playhouse. Oh, I don't think I could do that. I couldn't be in place. Yes, you can. You can do anything you decide you want to do. I said, but we want to find you a supportive family where you feel you fit in, you know? So he ended up going down to the playhouse and uh, ends up meeting his partner there. And he and Rich now have been married 40 years. Um, and he did eventually come out to his family, stopped all the destructive habits. And when, uh, a company in New York bought out my talent school, let's see how old I was then. I think I was about 33. I needed to name a director and interviewed five people. And Jerry was one of them. I'm like, Jerry, you deserve this job. You've grown more than anyone I know. You work hard. You love this business. You love the community. You've got a great partner uh, soon to be husband. And, um, you know, he, he did great with the school. And then he went on to be a school principal who went in, it was an elementary school and went in and taught his students and teachers the importance of healing childhood trauma. Absolutely. So here is this, you know, this lineage of mo- all my clients, once they learn this and heal from this, turn around and give back and start teaching others. And I just love that. There's a podcast with Jerry and I on um, my YouTube channel or lessonsinlifeandlove.com and uh, also one with Scott, my my guy from Radical Dating, about how much they've changed by healing the original childhood trauma. So yep. they're really beautiful stories. 
Yeah. And it is interesting when you see it. I had a situation with my own family um, in the last year where that childhood trauma came roaring forward big time. And I, I do, I wouldn't even talk to my parents. It's like, I, I can't do this. I absolutely yeah. cannot do this with you. Well, you <laughs> learn to, your self-love has to be big enough that you are protecting yourself. Yep. And part of it is the spiritual forgiveness of the limitations of your mom and dad yep. because of how they grew up, yep. their own childhood trauma. So this is what we mean about rewriting the story, that they can accept some things and other things just may take time. But yep. it doesn't mean you don't live your life or you live your life in guilt and shame. No. And yep. this is the story of the young lady I told you about right before yeah, we yeah. recorded, Shoshana who came to me, her parents kicked her out of the house when she came out. She was living on the street. She couldn't get hired. She was more of the masculine lesbian. And she says, I really look like a dyke, is her words. <laughs> and she goes, so nobody wanted to hire me. Um, and she came in and she scrapped pennies together to work with me. She goes, I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. I need this. And she was in a very toxic, abusive relationship where she was being abused by this woman and I was very concerned for her. So I was able to break that addiction of wanting love so much that you put up mm. with almost anything, yep. right? Um, the toxic relationship. We got her out of that. She started dating. Today she's married and her and her wife mm. wanted a child and they're pregnant now. We just celebrated so the cool. baby coming and her family's all accepting. And so is her wife's family now of everything. And um, it's a beautiful story because, oh, and she's also a supervisor for a top tech company like, awesome. and they just bought a home. So here she goes from homeless when I met her right at the top of the world. Right. So I just want to encourage any of our listeners, if they're suffering out there, like don't suffer in silence, please mm -hmm. reach out and get help by a trauma professional. Yeah. Uh, look for the initial CCTP certified clinical trauma professional. And I'm advanced, which is level two. Yeah. Um, well, and it's, it's just such a piece of the important. puzzle that that brings you peace of mind. Number one, yeah. you know, my husband, we were we were driving on vacation. We did a road trip and. You know, this thing with my parents literally happened in the last year and then things just kind of morphed. And um, he said, why do you think things are better with your parents? I said, well, number one, I. I address some trauma in my own mind. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Number two, I'm accepting that this is just who they are. I, <laughs> at, right. at 70 some 80 years old there, this is just who they are. And I am, I am doing myself an injustice to try to fix that. Yeah. And yeah. learning. So my dad's a huge narcissist <laughs> learning that I cannot be my dad in this situation. I cannot say this is how you do it because then yeah. I'm as big of a son of a bitch as he is. <laughs> so by me right. stepping aside and going, Rick, you are better than this. You can be the bigger person, which is hard yeah. sometimes. I'm actually allowing the forgiveness to happen. Good. And, and the asking myself, how do I truly want to be with them at this stage of life for both of us? You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he was just kind of like quiet. And I said, what do you think? He goes, wow, you've really changed. I'm like, yes, I know. And I keep, I'm continuing to want to change because it's not because, okay, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, hey, end of life is coming for all of us at some point in time. But, you know, yeah. I don't know how much long I'll have them. And I would, yeah. I would rather not have, I mean, yes, they're still parents or parents, my kids. I know I do it to them. Um, 
but I don't want to have that angst of, hey, what could I have done? You know, right. I'd rather go, hey, I accepted them as they were, knowing that this is the best they can do. In fact, one of my coach friends who was coaching me early on was we were both getting certified. She was working with me at one point on this and she goes, well, what if you could just accept that dad's just doing the best he can with what he's That's got? That's it. Parents are doing the and best they just, know. Whoa, how. that was such a big thing for me, right? And then ironically, <laughs> the next weekend or the next long weekend training that we went to, one of the instructors said, so here's a here's a thought for you around trauma and stuff. Because I want you to just think about what I'm about to say here. Somebody who just got incarcerated for murdering somebody. Mm. What if in that moment that they actually murdered that person, they were doing the best with what they were capable of doing? How does that make you feel? Well, of course, you know, there was just. <laughs> yeah. And I sat there and she turned to me and she goes, Rick, what are you thinking? I said, well, I honestly think that person could have been doing the best with what they were capable of doing. Maybe mm -hmm. they didn't know what they were actually doing. Maybe right. that rage they felt, maybe that angst or that reason they did that, that's the best they could do. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying yeah. this is the best they could do in that moment. Yeah. And the room got really quiet. <laughs> finally, somebody else said, I think I have to agree with Rick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then so, suddenly I mean, we started the whole thing. Coming you know, from... it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, we all have shortcomings, like I said, that we're working on yep. due to childhood trauma experiences or yep. messages. So, so our audience knows how to show up in love. Okay, for mm -hmm. example, jealousy and control comes from trauma two, verbal messaging, hearing you're not good enough, and trauma seven, you know, feeling uh, not like you fit in, you're not good enough, yep. or you're accepted for who you are. That's where that comes from. Impulsivity is something that if you're high impulse, this comes from either just saying, I deserve it, I want it, yep. and not thinking of the other. Okay, so it's an unconscious longing, either it's for love or money or things. You know, I'm buying the shiny red sports car, no matter if my partner says I should have it or not, because we don't right. have the money. Too bad. He'll have to deal with it. You know, that's yep. impulse because you're not thinking of the other. Okay. People pleasing is one that a lot of women do. Huge. They grow up around very abusive moms and dads. You know, people pleasing kept them safe. Yes. And then overdoing. I had a woman and her husband come to me and she goes, all I do is, is help them do everything for my husband and my kids. And they never do anything for me. They never say that they love me. So she's mm. exhausted, burnt out and fed up, right? Because yep. she just keeps giving, 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 and there's nothing left for her. So that's very common. If you did experience abandonment issue, you're going to see signs of codependency and love addiction. Um, also, you may see a lot of what we call RRS, relationship repetition syndrome, Yep. You go through the same type of toxic personality over and over and over again. People say, well, why do I do that? It's usually because you're falling in love due to chemistry. Oh, he's hot. She's hot. You know, yeah, let's get together. And then you're going from what the brain is uh, likes to keep you in is what we call homeostasis. It likes what it knows. So chemistry, falling in love that way is actually taking you into the toxic past. Right. So you have to be very much more educated and conscious about your dating, um, asking the right questions. My book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, I 
state uh, 25 questions you should be asking on date one or two to see if these are the, the right partners for you yep. and then to move forward, not so be quickened with the sexuality just because they're hot. You know, we're looking for beautiful on the inside too, right? Yeah. Most important. Yeah. Um, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, because if they were perfect, then maybe they wouldn't get punished as kids. Blaming behavior, not able to apologize. These are all signs of trauma not healed. Um, anger, you know, not being able to speak your feelings without yelling or screaming. That definitely is a sign as a childhood trauma. Yeah. So, you know, I don't teach be vulnerable. I taught, teach be empowered right. so that you can talk from an open heart and mind from the very day one, you know, and very important to do that. And being vulnerable is kind of putting up this certain face for a period of time or on this person. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, here are my feelings now four months later, exactly. because now they decide to be vulnerable. Well, they should have just been honest about who they were and empowered to say that yep. from the very beginning. Right. So yep. the trauma healing helps all that, but there's many different areas of life where unhealed trauma also impacts, especially in health, like fibromyalgia, Epstein-Barr virus, um, immunity disorders, shortened lifespan, sleep issues, eating issues, um, the emotions, you know, just not being able to regulate your emotions. You get upset easily, excessive worry, high anxiety, ongoing anxiety, bouts of depression, feeling hopeless, um, lack of self-esteem, and then trouble either being too clingy in relationships, which is codependency, Yep. Or having love and then breaking away because you're fe afraid to be attached because love brings pain right. is the subconscious messaging, right? So we have to get rid of all the underlying subconscious messages from your past. Um, also in our children's smaller brain size, less efficient processing with language and learning, changes in gene expression actually happen when they... Um, looked at offspring from the Holocaust survivors. It actually changed the DNA, the trauma that they endured and, you know, just learning. So again, being at the elementary level and having my students meditate and listen to Louis Miguel, you know, right. Miss like, Rihanna, put Mr. Louis on. Uh, Did you have a bad morning today? Yes. Right. Would you like to tell me a little bit about it? Right, you know? right. And then Mr. Louie would just calm them way down. And then they go back. It's like, what are you doing? Like he came back so calm, normally be yelling and screaming and acting out. Mm -hmm. It's all this biological things that you can do with mindset work and holistic mind, body, spirit, um, calming of the children. You know, I had a lot of my teachers, I put said, put music on. So when your kids walk into the room, they get a feel for you today. So it could be hip hop one day, you know, everybody come in, it's Friday, hip hop Friday, right, right. or mellow Monday, you know, you come right, in right. jazz. <laughs> exactly. um, so it really does work, you know, these, these type of holistic remedies. And then there's great vitamins for people. None of my people are on psychotropic drugs for anxiety, depression. No, hmm. it's all natural for healing. That's, that's amazing. And yeah, I, I hope that I hope that some some of the listeners who may be going, okay, well, I don't know about this. I hope you open your mind. No, no psychotropic pun there, but <laughs> open your mind to the beauty of what we've shared here today, because I've seen it work in my world. I've seen the more that I step into addressing these traumas and 
living through them and walking through them and owning them and holding hands with them. I know that sounds weird, but that's really what you have to do. You have to hold hands with yeah. trauma in order to move forward, that it helps them out. And um, I love your approach to all of this. If somebody wanted to like talk to you or see everything, what's the best way for them to get in? Absolutely. Just come to my website. It's my name, Rihanna Milne, M-I-L-N-E.com. And on there, I have a free ebook, which tells you more about childhood trauma. And I have the four free love tests. So if you're single, there's one for you. Are you really ready for a relationship? If you're in a coupled relationship, do you see any of the red flags? Right. And the childhood trauma checklist is there. Also, my podcast, Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. It's on every podcast platform, but my YouTube channel has like 350 audios and videos. Nice. And then also my website has free book chapter downloads of both live and love beyond your dreams, which are my best sellers. One's about mindset. One's about love. And they are meant to go together because you can't have one without the right. other. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> there is yeah. no, I mean, sometimes I, 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 I chat with my clients. I'm like, no, these two things, you have to make these things go together or nothing. that's right. You can yeah. learn one. Great. I'm glad you learned this, but Hey, you're forgetting this over here. You know? Yes. So, you can't uh, know what emotionally healthy relationships are yeah. and what they look yes. like and then have the mindset of fear, doubt, yep. self-doubt jealousy control so not gonna All work yeah. yeah so well thank you so much rihanna for being an amazing conversationalist and giving so much for this podcast and walking us through those 10 traumas because i know that may be hard for some people to have just heard and they're probably going oh yeah oh yeah it's okay it's okay. Good. But the great yeah, news now, is this can be healed. I have thousands exactly. of testimonials have how lives have changed in the past 40 years. I've been working with people, yeah. you know, awesome. even like Jerry, I was 26 years old, but I had enough background and mindset to help yeah. him, you know, learn to navigate around his family and get empowered within himself and create that loving family of friends where he felt yes. loved and accepted and me as his buddy, you know, so, right, right. Exactly. you know, it all works out It, it you awesome. know, don't suffer. That's all we want to say mm -hmm. to you today. Get empowered, uh, increase your self-love and uh, it's time, you know, to create time. Like you desire and have the love you deserve. You're worth it. Well, I love what you said just a minute ago. And I think it's a great place to wrap it up. You don't have to be vulnerable. You just have to be empowered. That's right. And I think that's a, one of the biggest things for everybody to, you know, kind of step into. And when you can see that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with vulnerability because I invite my clients all the time to be vulnerable, but that's where the empowerment also comes is be empowered around this. Yes, so, that's right. Well, thank you again um, so much, Rihanna. I've loved this conversation and uh, welcome, everything will be on the website for everyone to catch. If you didn't catch everything that she just referred to, we'll have all the ways to connect with Rihanna and step in and hold hands with your childhood traumas. Thanks again so thank much. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. 
So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping into living your life uncloseted.